today on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing, it's all about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, Glow, on Netflix, just in time for the release of Season 2, and we'll have Peter Winson from the Greetings from Allentown podcast to lend his special brand of expertise. Well, I can definitely get behind talking about some gorgeous ladies of wrestling, Mike. Uh, Brian, this is a new day and age. Let's get your mind out of the gutter, my friend. I was talking about the show. Okay, okay, okay. Plus, your promo about nothing is coming up and so much more. But first, tell him, George. I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to the Wrestling Podcast about nothing, episode 115. Please be our sponsor. My name is Mike Crockett. I'm a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast, currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. And joining me, as always, is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. Now, he's a Ring of Honor wrestler. He's simply irresistible. He's complexly immobile. The Wine City Whaler himself, the Kingpin Brian Malonis. What's up, Mike? How's it going? <laughs> How do you do? Um... I'm on no sleep, Mike. No sleep. Yeah, I've heard this song and dance before. Yeah, well, this is what happens when you actually get off your couch and do something with your life. Oh, Brian, there's so much going on here, I can't even begin to talk about it. <laughs> We're preparing. Well, why? Because why? you'll get in trouble if you talk about it? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> We're in full nesting mode here at the Crockett household. I've been there. It's, it's all good, man. It, it'll get better. All right, all right. Well, it's getting better for the Kingpin because you were on Ring of Honor's event this Saturday in Virginia, correct? That's correct. What'd you do? Uh, well, I mean, I can tell you who we wrestled. We, we, uh, me and the Bruiser, the self-proclaimed bouncers okay. of uh, Ring of Honor Wrestling, we take on the World Tag Team Champions, the Briscoe Brothers. That's what that noise was. That's what that noise was. What noise? I hear you, you know, buffing that championship in the background. It was a non-title encounter, Mike. Oh, oh, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Wishful thinking on my part, I guess. It'll air soon on uh, Ring of Honor television within the next, I think, probably in like three or four weeks. I know someone is looking forward to that one. Mike Mills from Booking the Territory. He, uh, just this past week on his podcast, he was talking about how much he loves the Briscoes. Who doesn't love the Briscoes? <laughs> well... Count me in the category of loving the Briscoes. So, yeah, I was very excited, obviously, to wrestle the champs, and uh, you'll get to see the uh, byproduct of that coming up soon on Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor Television. Well, that is amazing. I can't wait to see that myself. I, I will check that one out, Brian. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it, especially especially with the timing of when this episode might air. <laughs> oh, ooh, all right. Maybe maybe a late night. I'll have a little time on my hands. Well, you know, I, I think it would be a. Uh, Good first wrestling exposure for Crockett Jr. to, to watch that match. <laughs> for Brian Crockett to take a look at that. <laughs> yeah, in indeed. 
right. Well, I uh, hope everyone else took a look at our episode last week, or listened anyway, to episode 114. We had the Battle of the Big Men. Vader, of course, recently passed away, so it led us into a discussion about the best super heavyweights in wrestling history. A lot of people checked in on this. Sean Hill, who we haven't really heard from in the past, he's at Sean underscore at underscore Atomic. He talked about the Headhunters, A and B. You remember those big bad fellas? I know more of them than than know a ton about them. I mean, I wouldn't say overall they are great wrestlers, but in terms of athletics for big fat guys, they are near the top of the list. All right. (laughs) Do moonsaults. Or they did. You you like throwing around that F word now that you're a fat guy yourself. (laughs) That's my right. (laughs) As a larger gentleman. No, not not really. It's like when uh, Tim Watley converted to Judaism strictly for the jokes. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Well, in my book, there is. All right. Well, Glenn Abbott, our old buddy from the UK at GA WrestleNut, he says, these were the two headlining shows when I was growing up. There was a picture of Big Daddy and Giant Haystack, so I think was an homage to the man we discussed, Haystack's Calhoun. But uh, two big gentlemen were the guys at the forefront of the UK wrestling scene. So Glenn Abbott, very familiar with the big men in pro wrestling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we went into it. We went into some of the uh, the older generation ones, and again, like I said a million times, the uh, the older generation when they see me, and oh, you remind me of Haystack Calhoun. So exactly as we as we touched upon, and no offense to Haystack Calhoun, but I hope I don't remind anybody <laughs> of Haystack Calhoun because I I'd like to think I'm a little more agile than your average big guy. Well, another dumb mark. Not me, Brian, a fella who goes by that handle on Twitter, talked about Tucker Knight and Otis Dozovic from Heavy Machinery in NXT. A couple of bigger gentlemen that uh, are currently in NXT as a tag team. I, I would think that sooner rather than later, it'll be those two gentlemen against War Machine, perhaps, or War Raiders. That's literally already happened. Oh, okay. Well, maybe if you watch the product once in a while, buddy. Well, see you later. <laughs> Let's close this thing down, KK. We don't, no need to get to this glow stuff today. Uh, all right. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe that'll happen like it did two months ago already. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, <laughs> speaking of War Raiders, we heard from Hanson this past week, at Warbeard Hanson on Twitter from the NXT tag team, the War Raiders he says, I hope you guys talked about the time Brian Malonis let everyone know his favorite wrestler was Vader. <laughs> and of course we have on multiple occasions. Yes, you love that story. We've told the story that you were, uh, you said what you thought you wanted Tommy Dreamer to hear at that time, right? Indeed. All right. So I, I don't want to bury Tommy Dreamer again on this podcast, so we'll move on. Okay. <laughs> Steven at HHHGuy2004. He had a interesting query. He said, what's the dumbest idea a guy wanted to try with you inside or outside the ringside area? <laughs> and then you said this is a good idea to maybe expand upon in a future episode. Uh, yeah, I, 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 th- I think, yeah, I think it'd be a good one. But I'll, I'll give you, do you want a little nugget? A little preview. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you something. It's actually a guy who listens to our podcast on a, on a regular basis. Um, okay. So big shout out coming out to Ace Romero. I swear I'm not burying you, Ace. I, I love Ace very much. Uh, but Ace wanted to give me a Canadian Destroyer on a show. 
All right. Yeah. And I had to explain to him uh, that this old fat body <laughs> is not going to be able to uh, pull off the mechanics of that maneuver, at least for it to look anywhere near passable. So, I mean, I, I appreciated uh, I appreciated the ambition of, of one Ace Romero. He's much more young and spry than the old Kingpin. <laughs> than the old KG angry veteran known as Brian Malonis. <laughs> I'm not angry. KG, yes. All right, so yeah, probably more of that coming up in a future episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. Thank you, Stephen, for that. You may be my nemesis, but you come up with some good stuff for us to discuss here on the podcast. So thank you, Stephen Page. And uh, another way that you can help out the Kingpin, help out us, is by going to BrianMalonis.com. And I think you have an announcement of something that just happened. It is up on BrianMalonis.com. Yes, and the orders are already coming in for it. Thanks to a couple people. Thanks to Rhett Titus of the Dogs for giving me the the idea for this t-shirt. And uh, thanks to you, Mike Crockett, for coming through with the design. I, huh? I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You know, it only took six months, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the design, Brian? The people are in suspense here. Yes, it's the new Mega Malonis design. Parody of the Mega Millions logo. So... Uh, I've jumped into the parody uh, realm of pro wrestling t-shirts. Why not? The last person to do so. <laughs> I think I think I am at this point. <laughs> but I, I got to tell you, Mike, after and I had some more uh, in-depth discussions with Rhett Titus this weekend about this. And I got to tell you, I'm, I'm kind of digging maybe could something with Mega, you know, maybe start to transition from the Kingpin to that. What do you think? You mean a tag team with Mega, our old friend from the ECWA? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. me. You being Mega Malonis? We'll take this conversation offline, but I don't know. He got me thinking. He got me thinking a lot, and it was... Uh, Rhett Titus is a uh, longtime Ring of Honor veteran. Yes. Uh, very smart, very, uh, you know, uh, been around for a long time, and lots of good ideas. So, hey, maybe, you know what, maybe we'll have to get Rhett on this podcast at some point. That sounds like a very good idea. Very good. And uh, another good idea is if you're not going to BrianMalonis.com, you can go to TheWPAN.com. That is our hub, our home base, our website, where you can find all the episodes, the links to subscribe to this podcast on all podcast outlets, plus biographies of the both of us, old school photography from our illustrious wrestling careers, so much more. That is at the WPAN.com, the WPAN.com. And between podcasts, find us in the Putting Over Podcasts Facebook group. We're talking about all podcasts in there. All you got to do, go to Facebook, put in the search bar, Putting Over Podcasts, and you can join and you can discuss anything you want about wrestling podcasts. All right, Kingpin, it's about time to get to the topic of the day here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. All right, let's do it. All right, Glow is back. Season two just dropped on Friday on Netflix, and we're here to get you caught up, recapping the series to this point and letting you know if it's really worth checking out those new episodes. Now, Brian, do you do your homework? Um, do I get partial credit? Uh, you sprung watching an entire Netflix season of you know of, of Glow on me like two weeks notice. Two weeks notice. It's ten half hour episodes, thirty five minutes at the most. 
Okay, listen, listen here, a-hole. Oh, boy. You know, you're you're always late. You're always giving me crap about, about finding the time to do it and always running late and, and all these excuses after excuses. And you got, like, one thing going on in your life. Like, I travel to wrestle. I got a podcast. I'm back in school. I have two kids that are already here and present. Like, your wife's doing all the heavy lifting, and you're the one making all the excuses. All right, Brian. Uh, I knew you were going to uh, fail me once again. So what I did was I brought on someone to give his expert opinion on Glow. And I say expert because he not only watched all of season one, but he also, this past week on his podcast, Greetings from Allentown, if you listen to us at all, you've heard us plug it, he reviewed the very first episode of the original syndicated Glow TV series. And he's basically our neighbor, so it's long overdue to have him here on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. It's PW, Peter Winson. Hello, sir. Oh, it's great to be here, finally, uh, and not just a voice on the uh, voicemail segment that one time where I suggested that Brian become the craft beer bruiser as a means of synergy <laughs> with his tag team partner. But uh, yeah, nice to join you guys on this, and it's a very interesting topic to me given that, as you said, it was the last uh, show that I did on the uh, original Glow Pilot from 1985, which uh, I advise everybody to check that out at some point. It is on YouTube in a couple of different forms. Yes, watch that and then listen to Greg's Mountain. Which episode was that? 71. All right, it's 71. Uh, all right, Peter, my first thought was to kind of get you out of your lonely room and do this in person, but we really just couldn't make this happen. We were lucky to be able to actually just get you here on the podcast here to talk. So you remain in your fortress of solitude, but I guess that's kind of where you're most comfortable, right? I guess, yeah. I mean, I'm in a comfy chair. I have my traditional beer that I have with my second beer in case this runs long, although it's Genesee, so I don't know... Uh, it's not exactly the the highest quality stuff. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm running I'm running a little low. So if if anybody wants to send me beer, I don't have a Patreon or anything. So uh, I, I will accept donations in the form of uh, beer, please. Mike, you live close. Why don't you Why don't you make a beer run for him? <laughs> Maybe we'll we'll get that done a little late. I, you know, Brian, I'm busy. I got so much going on. Holy smokes! <laughs> <laughs> it's always something. Always with this guy. It is always something. Peter, I've given you a, a new handle, a nickname. I'm the only one that uses it. Uh, it's almost like I'm Sam Sylvia just kind of like handing down this gimmick to you. You're PW. How do you feel about that? You know, when I heard that the first time, I was like, what? what's the matter with him? Like, I, I've literally <laughs> never been called that in my 35 years. At first, I thought it was like... You were trying to make a play off PU, like, ooh, he smells. But then I realized that I'm not sure you're smart enough to make that connection. So <laughs> I just think it was some sort of quirky thing, and I, I'm willing to go along with it, you know? He's definitely not smart enough to to, uh, <laughs> to be that clever. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, I think back to Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And do you remember the movie Inside the Movie, where it was James Brolin playing Pee-wee Herman? Oh, it's been 30 years since I've seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Morgan Fairchild, who plays Dottie in the movie within a movie, calls James Brolin, who plays Pee Wee Herman, calls him P.W. Oh, okay. Well, if it's an homage to something from the 80s, that's something I can definitely get behind. Yeah, and you know, James Brolin's a handsome guy. You're not so bad yourself, so it all works out. Yes. 
<laughs> you've you've already been nicer to Peter uh, in this one uh, brief moment than you have in a hundred and something episodes of our podcast. <laughs> you made it awkward, <laughs> and he just buried me just a minute ago. So I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, so we're talking Glow, guys. The series on Netflix. So anyone listening out there, if you haven't watched season one, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We're going to be talking about everything that happened in the first season, leading into season two, of course, just released this past Friday, June 29th. So uh, make sure if you haven't watched the series, go and do that. Come back to us and we'll talk. uh, We'll uh, lead you all through it. So the year was 1985. I know this because they bring up Back to the Future just coming out in theaters and that was, of course, in the summer of 1985. Is that correct, Peter Winston? You were aware of this. I was just watching that episode this morning where Mark Marin is informed that his movie idea has been taken and already made, well, albeit in a much more entertaining form in Back to the Future. And I kind of related to that because... I have this recollection of being 16 years old and working at Purity Supreme and thinking up the whole idea for the movie Independence Day, like a year and a half before that movie came out, just feeling burned when it happened. So I, I kind of relate. It's the one time in my life, I think, that I've ever related to Mark Marin in any way. So pardon me if I just refer to the character by the actor's name, because that's one of the critiques I have of Glow is Mark Marin is fine in that role, but... Sometimes I, I look at him, you know, as I, I don't see Sam Sylvia, I see Mark Marin like all the time. Yeah, Mark Marin plays the director of this whole thing. We'll get into all the, the characters and take you through the whole thing. But uh, the idea for the whole series came from the people behind Orange is the New Black. And apparently they saw the documentary that's on Netflix as well from 2012 called Glow, the story of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. So they watched that and said they could do something with that. And they kind of, I mean, it's not a direct remake of Glow because, you know, it's much different series. It is a, what you call like a limited series on Netflix. It's self-contained, 10 episodes. It is not a weekly episodic wrestling program as the original glow series was what what brian malonis <laughs> well just the the weekly episodic but uh, I, I will say when you say gorgeous ladies of wrestling in your brain do you hear a, a, a guy who's a local ring announcer here i'm not sure if peter's familiar with him but um mel simon's the gorgeous ladies of wrestling <laughs> like can you not just picture mel simon saying that come on i believe he said that before every women's match the gorgeous Ladies of professional wrestling. <laughs> that is exactly what he said each and every time they had those same two women who weren't looking that gorgeous, I'll be honest with you. Um, wow. <laughs> well, you know. But the original series, and Peter, as we mentioned, you talked about it, the original uh, pilot episode of the Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, that you watched, it bears very little resemblance to what we're seeing on Netflix, right? Yeah, it's, I think, extremely different. W- one thing that I thought was kind of interesting is that the women on the Netflix show are better workers in the ring <laughs> than <laughs> some of the ones who were you know, actually legitimately training for it in 1985. I can, I can say that Alison Brie 
is probably a better worker than California Doll was on the original Glow. Like right now, Allison Brie as Ruth Wilder, better worker than some of the people on that show. But there was a lot of other interesting things. I mean, just within that pilot episode, they took some chances with production items. Like they would cut to a live action slow motion camera when something big was about to happen. And to kind, to kind, it would kind of draw your attention in as, oh, this is something big. I'm not gonna, you know, miss this. Like when the girl gets AA'd through the table, which was the most shocking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> like, like I, it was crazy seeing that happen in 1985, or you know, just a big moment, a big turning point in any of the matches. On the pilot, they had four matches after they introduced a lot of the gals at the beginning by you know video vignettes including Tina Ferrari who everybody would come to know as Ivory in WWE she's the one that everybody knows from that but there were a lot of other interesting and diverse characters on that show which you also see in the Netflix show as well where you have people from all different kinds of you know races backgrounds and all that coming together for this one thing. Right. And there are a lot of characters in the series on Netflix that are kind of homages to the originals. No direct ripoffs, but there you can definitely see that they based characters on people from the original Glow series. Yeah, uh, Alison Breeze, Ruth Wilde, she, she struggles to come up with a character. After a while, she decides to go as the evil Russian, which is... Oh, God, I, I, I'm going to hate myself because I'm going to mispronounce it. Uh, Ninochka from the original Glow. Uh, I had that to, sounds right. I had to stop myself three times doing the podcast that I did on Glow to make sure that I actually was saying it correctly because uh, I, <laughs> for some reason I was getting hung up on that one particular name. The, you know, the star of the show, Betty uh, 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 Gilpin. Gilpin. Yeah. Uh, she plays uh, Liberty Bell, which uh, a, a cute little name, and that roughly corresponds to Americana, who you see in the original Glow pilot, and who is somewhat controversial if you view her through a 2018 lens, where she's yelling at Spanish Red to speak English, and you know this is America, you should. You know, you should do things a certain way. It, it was kind of jarring. It, it, uh, in a lot of the YouTube comments, they were talking about how she would be a heel if this was being done in 2018. But on the Glow show, I think, on the Netflix show, they did create a lot of interesting characters to kind of, you know, maybe identify with. Maybe people can see a little bit of themselves in each character, relate to them that way. People can relate, I'm sure, to the look and feel of the show, which that corresponds very well with what was going on in the original series. The feel, of course, is very 80s, not only in the way it's kind of shot, the costume design and everything, of course, but I mean, the fact that they have random nudity, much like you get in an 80s R-rated comedy, is kind of really uh, lends to the feel that this is a show straight out of the 80s. Right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, there's some pretty gratuitous uh, boob shots pretty early on in the uh, first episode there, and, the, and then a uh, then a sex scene. So they try they know they know how to hook you right in. <laughs> yes, well, they didn't hook you in. You only got through a few episodes, right? <laughs> the nudity stopped. That's the problem. No, I, I want to finish it now. I just have 
Devin had time. Stop being an asshole. <laughs> so the main location for the show is Chavo's Boxing Gym, which of course is a nod to the actual trainer of the actors on the show, Chavo Griver Jr. And a funny note is that the original trainer of the original Glow series was Mondo Guerrero. Do we figure out, Peter, what relation he is to Chavo? Oh, I. you know what? The the Guerrero tree. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say uncle. I'm just gonna say that everybody is an uncle <laughs> to everybody else. That's I, safe. Don't don't ask me to do that. It's like it would be like asking somebody to identify the complete Samoan family tree of WWE <laughs> and how it's all how, like who's who's the son of who, whose brothers and all that. Like no, it's 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 too diff. Life's too short. <laughs> right, right. Life is too short. So let's move on and talk about, you talked about Ruth Wilder, who is basically the first person you see on screen in the series, the main character who we follow from the very start. She's a young actress who can't really get a part. She's desperate for money. She finally gets this audition for a women's wrestling show. And you talked about Betty Gilpin. That is uh, Liberty Bell, a.k.a. Debbie Egan. She plays Ruth's best friend. She is a former soap opera actress. She's a new mother. And we find out pretty early on that Ruth and Debbie, uh, they're friendly, but behind Debbie's back, Ruth is sleeping with Debbie's husband. Mm. And uh, that is... Something that comes out by the end of the very first episode when Debbie comes to the gym, beats the shit out of Ruth, and the director, uh, Mark Marin, a.k.a. Sam Sylvia, has a vision of them as the two main event rivals of his promotion, Glow. So a lot of the beginning part of the series is Sam trying to get Debbie to join the cast of Glow because Debbie doesn't audition. She's done. She's a new mother. She's home taking care of the kid with her husband. They presumably to her, they're happily married and they have a, a newborn. But uh, then this whole Ruth thing happens and everything gets thrown into disarray. Uh, Brian, how'd you feel about the way this whole thing unfolded in episode one? Because you did see that one, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. It was well. Yeah, I guess it creates a natural rivalry, I guess, right? It certainly does. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah, it was, it's kind of an unexpected turn because, I mean, and again, I haven't seen the whole series, so I'm going to get spoiled for me today. But I was expecting, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't expecting the, 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 the woman, the, I don't know character names, I'm going to apologize right now, but the one who slept with the other one's wife, I wasn't expecting her to be a villain in the series. I expected her to be the hero, so... Yeah, she did a heel turn episode one. You don't think of Allison Brie that way. I, I kind of I kind of agree with you there from her other roles. Mad Men is represented in this show. I know, uh, Peter, you are a big Mad Men fan and say that, you know, if you're not watching Mad Men, there's something wrong with you. And uh, some representation here with Debbie's husband and with uh, Ruth herself, Allison Brie, both alumni of that show. Yeah, th- that scene, of course, had... You know, with the two of them graphically having sex on the bed. Okay, it's going to have repercussions for, you know, the entire Glow series. But it also extends out into my Mad Men rewatching because now all I see is Harry Crane from Mad Men getting it on with Trudy Campbell for some reason, which is kind of funny because I think Trudy Campbell might have been the one character on Mad Men who didn't step out on their spouse at any point during the seven seasons. 
and Harry Cray is like the creep of all creeps and all that. And you know, in the course of the first season, you don't see very much of him once he kind of exits the picture. Not in terms of you know, oh, they got divorced and then he's apart. Like he try, he tries to make things better in the end, and it's kind of an interesting journey. I, I do wish that maybe they had looked at him a little bit, but. This is a female-centric show. It would be kind of awkward to, you know, go on off and like, what's um, <laughs> what's Debbie's husband up to now? I mean, that's not really much of a concern, and nor should it be. But I think that's something going forward that I'm going to eagerly be watching when I dig into season two. It was a visceral reaction that I think probably a lot of wrestling fans had when watching uh, him and Debbie together when they're at the wrestling show and he's just saying that, you know, just wrestling was kind of a little silly. It kind of, it was a visceral reaction for me just because I've been in relationships where, you know, you have a significant other who's like, why do you watch this? This is kind of just ridiculous isn't it so i think every wrestling fan that watched that can relate to you know being with someone like that and just being like what the get the fuck away from me (laughs) yeah i mean i'm i'm recording this podcast right now hiding in the basement from my wife who uh probably doesn't want to hear me talking about it (laughs) even though she even though she gladly watched many of the episodes of glow with me when it came out last year I, I think she saw it as more of a female empowerment sort of thing than as a wrestling show. So I think that's a way of appealing to a non-wrestling fan to watch this. I, from my perspective, I'm interested in kind of the hook is that it's based on this thing that we remember from the 80s and that people apparently – and I learned this through YouTube comments again, uh, that people used to touch themselves too, apparently. They used to <laughs> make, they used, they, they, people could, people were lined up out the door to tell, you know, uh, how, how they made love on themselves while watching, um, you know, California Doll or whatever. It's like, like do, you, do you really have to share that with, <laughs> with us right now? You know, we probably have somebody on the line with us, Peter, uh, who falls into that category. <laughs> Babe, the farmer's daughter, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ, my goodness gracious. Uh, (laughs) All right, so let's get back to the story here. Debbie was kind of very reluctant. Sam tries to recruit her to be a part of the cast. He sees her as the main eventer, the big baby face. And, you know, obviously she doesn't want to work with Ruth, for one. And before she kind of... uh, gets into this wrestling thing, she kind of feels the same way about wrestling, that it's kind of a little bit silly until she goes to a wrestling event, Peter Winson, and discovers it's essentially a soap opera in itself and talks to Alex Riley, who tells her, you don't have to like someone to be able to work with them and make money. And that's correct, Brian Malone, isn't it? Ah, uh, that is <laughs> as true as it gets, my friend. <laughs> I've worked I worked with you for a, for a number of years and I don't like you. Oh. <laughs> well, so yes, Debbie gets that advice from Steel Horse, aka Alex Riley, and then they both fuck all night. Yes. That was <laughs> that was a little weird. It's like I see Alex Riley on there and I'm like, 
Oh, yeah. I remember when he was a, hit a cushy job as a broadcaster on NXT just as they were about to hit like their best period. And then he decided to return to the ring. And now here he is having sex on Netflix. So uh, I don't know if that's an upgrade or a downgrade. I'm not sure. He's still on an over-the-top streaming service, so I guess it's a lateral move. <laughs> but, uh, you know. I'd say so. Let's talk about that event, though. They also showed uh, a match between Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian, your co-workers, Brian, and Ring of Honor. Yeah, absolutely. And that was kind of funny because Christopher Daniels, of course, does the best moonsault ever, which... I don't think you were seeing in 1985, correct me if I'm wrong, PW. That took me out of the episode. I was very critical yeah. of that particular moment. I'm like, this is this is a spot show from an independent promotion on the West Coast. That's what I'm assuming what that is. And we're, we're seeing moonsaults and okay, brada or whatever you want to call it. Uh, quite frankly, I think that they uh, should have hired Brian Malonis for that role. Yeah, absolutely. I I think I should be part of the season three cast. Let's get that trending, Mike. <laughs> yeah, let's work on that. <laughs> hire Brian Malonis. Hashtag hire Brian Malonis. There we go. Yeah, the all-in thing isn't happening. I don't know about this one. I could just picture Brian. Uh, it, wasn't it a couple episodes ago that you were saying that you, you weren't particularly thrilled with like you know training other people? like You working with Welfare Queen and her just completely... Uh, not listening to anything you're saying, I, I would, I would like, I would like to see you on screen in that role. So if they're listening, season three, come on, you know they can have new characters and all that. Like when the Brady Bunch brought in cousin Oliver, you know, bring in Brian Malonis and he'll pop a rating. Exactly, exactly. Hey, ask, uh, ask Inside Edition about uh, how their numbers uh, did on the Egg Sitter episode. Oh my God, yeah, you, you would be the cousin Oliver of the Glow series, canceled. <laughs> but everybody remembers him, don't they? They sure do. They sure do. The immortal Robbie Wrist. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh yeah, you think I wouldn't know that? Come on, that's I, like my wheelhouse. It sure is. Uh, <laughs> I'd never doubted you for a second there, Peter. Yeah. So you mentioned Welfare Queen. Yeah, let's talk about Welfare Queen, aka Kia Stevens, aka Awesome Kong and Karma. She was amazing in this series, and you mentioned, Peter, how you know your wife was happy to watch the series with you. My wife, as well, was she was mad at me because I just assumed this is a wrestling TV series. I started watching it on my own on Netflix, and my wife got mad and said, why did you start watching this without me? And so we started watching it together, and actually, when I decided I was going to rewatch this to talk about this on the podcast this week, she was more than happy to watch the entire thing with me again. So uh, while we're watching that, I was telling her about Awesome Kong's character in you know, TNA and WWE and how much of a like intimidating presence she was, and she was blown away just the fact that you know, this woman, Tammy, or Tammy, a.k.a. Welfare Queen, how she can be this killer, you know, in the actual pro wrestling game. Oh, yeah. I, she was really great on there. And all the various wrestler cameos that you saw on this, uh, I would pop for every single person that I saw on there, like, like no matter what. There's Brodus Clay plays the brother of... One of the wrestlers yes. who, you know, her family, her family is reluctant to allow her to become a wrestler. 
Machu Picchu is the is the wrestler uh, Carmen, and she's the one who is basically based on Mount Fiji, one of the most popular stars from Glow. Yes. And you mentioned uh, Brutus Clay. Did you know who the other brother was? Oh, wasn't it? Um... Completely unrecognizable. It was Carlito. Oh, right. Okay. I remember looking that up on IMDb when I originally watched it, and I said, huh, that's Carlito. And then I just kind of forgot about it the next day, as I should. Yeah, because you know, you look at it, you, <laughs> you see Brodus Clay, and you see another guy, and they have a scene where they're training Ruth and Debbie with with Carmen, a.k.a. Machu Picchu, in their backyard. They have a ring in the backyard because, you know, it's a wrestling family. Every wrestling family has a ring in their backyard, correct? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> How else are you going to train? Of course. So, yeah, and, and this guy's doing all this stuff. He's got, uh, his hair is different. He has no facial hair. I'm like, who the hell is that? He's got to be a wrestler. And I find out it's Carlito. I'm like, wow. And he, and he doesn't look, he's not that much different. His hair is just slightly different, and he doesn't have facial hair, but it looks like a completely different guy. Had no idea it was Carlito until, like, uh, much like you, Peter, until I looked it up. And uh, John Morrison is the trainer in episode one. His name is... Salty the Sack Johnson, <laughs> which I'm, I'm sure that's a main event uh, gimmick in any arena in the country. Mm. And uh, yeah, Joey Ryan was also in that wrestling scene uh, playing Mr. Monopoly. You know, you know what I found very strange about like the kind of early episodes? So they, they kind of put over John Morrison's character being like the, like the top guy in the business, right? Like they kind of insinuate that. But then also Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair exist in this universe because, you know, she watches the the videos for inspiration. So, which is it? Well, to be fair to her, she's never actually seen Morrison cut a promo. So, that's kind (laughs) of, you know, it's really one person's opinion. So, the one cameo that... I don't know what to say it blew me away, but the one where I was like, what? I didn't really recognize her, but then by the end I was like, that has to be her, and it was the nightclub manager um, who Sam and Ruth go looking at buildings to run their first, uh, to run the pilot, to run a TV taping mm-hmm. for Glow, and the nightclub manager is Brooke Hogan. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess her name is Amber on there. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that one's kind of hidden in plain sight. It, you know, she's just showing them around the venue, and I'm like not even focused on who that person is. Like, I don't even think to look. And it's one of those you watch a show, and then you go back later, and you say, oh, oh, that was Brooke Hogan. And then you kind of shrug <laughs> and you move on because uh, you know I mean, what what can you what can you really say at, at that point? But yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of interest. I don't know if you want to call it an Easter egg in some of these, but there's certain things built in for wrestling fans to look for in these shows. So long as you know you're not having a huge problem with somebody doing a moonsault in 1985, <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's definitely, if you're wondering if you should check out the series, if you're still listening to this, even though we said spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, it's definitely worth checking out, even for these little these little nuggets here. It's really fun. It's really fun. Uh, let's talk about the character Bash, Sebastian Howard. This is basically, Peter, the David McLean of the show. David McLean was the guy behind the real glow, uh, you know, a guy who... 
I don't know if he grew up with money or he came into money, but he's a guy with a lot of money. And basically that is who the Bash character is, right? Yes. It's more more or less him, although I think there's some mixing and matching where you had Sam Sylvia, Mark Marin doing announcing when they were doing that practice show. Yeah. Uh, I want to say it was around the sixth or seventh episode. But I don't think that they should, you know, make it as true to life as possible because we already kind of have a documentary on that. Like if you're doing the show inspired because, you know, you, you saw the documentary on Netflix, which I have watched in the last couple of weeks. And it's a pretty good documentary once you get past the first 15 minutes or so. It's a little bit, little bit slow getting in, you know, talking about, you know, the origins and all that. I think it's best for them to use the creative license that they did and, you know, just kind of create their own stories with things that are merely inspired, like like a Machu Picchu based on Mount Fiji. You don't need uh you don't need to do the exact same thing that, you know, the show actually was cuz we we have the documentary for that. So you can just go out there create an entertaining show with the characters that you have that, as you said, have similarities in many ways to them. But you also have other characters who are uniquely interesting. And I know we haven't talked about her, but Sheila the She-Wolf. Yeah. Uh, I particularly like that character because I see a little bit of Nikki Cross in her for whatever reason. Now, maybe I haven't okay. been watching enough, enough NXT lately, but I, I, I saw a little bit of crossover there, and I am I am hoping that as they get into Season 2, she's featured a little bit more because I, I found that character to be kind of mysterious and interesting. We, we didn't really get too far in learning about her. Yeah, we saw that one cold open where we see her getting essentially into character, quote unquote, where she you see that she has blonde hair and she puts on the wig, she puts on the the, the you know the eye makeup and the whole thing. Sheila the She Wolf, if you haven't seen it, she basically shows up on day one in gimmick. But, uh, you know, essentially, she doesn't think it's a gimmick. This is just how she is. This is just how she wants to portray herself to the world in everyday life. Yeah, it's... Uh I don't. I don't know what to call it. Like, uh, like the vampire kids in school that you might have seen. I don't know, fifteen <laughs> years ago or so. That that you saw on that South Park episode back in the day, where it was like the vampire kids versus the goth kids. It's kind of in that vein. Wait, the vampire kids are different from the goth kids? Oh yeah, yeah there's a whole South Park about it. You you should check it out. It's around. I want to say it's around season seven or eight. It was when that whole. Uh, what the hell was those movies? Spotlight? What, what was it called? Uh, Twilight. Yeah. Uh, wh- when those movies were big, South Park did a whole send-up of it and how you know, kids in school would kind of uh, cosplay as these things. You mentioned the whole uh, you know, glow being different because they have the documentary. It kind of reminds me of Man on the Moon, the movie of Andy Kaufman, and it really didn't... Uh, have that big of a splash. And I think it's because they had that documentary on From Hollywood with Andy Kaufman where you saw all the actual footage and then you watch the movie and it's like, oh, it's just Jim Carrey reenacting what he saw in this documentary. It didn't really cover much new ground. You know what I mean? And the thing that I remember most about Man on the Moon, other than the fact that two different times I rented it from a video store 
and didn't watch it and had to return it because <laughs> I, di- I didn't have time or whatever. But I, I have seen the movie. But the thing that I remember most about it is how during the making of the movie, it has nothing to do with the actual movie itself, how Jim Carrey was being completely obnoxious to the point where they did a same work angle in the filming where Lawler, quote unquote, beat Jim Carrey up and like, oh, this is putting the whole production in jeopardy. And they were kind of doing the same thing, you know, uh, calling back to what was happening in 82. But in seeing the movie, I I wasn't all that, you know, I wasn't all that enthralled. But I mean, obviously, I mean, I rented for for whatever (laughs) reason. I I love how I went back and I rented it again and then failed to watch it a second time. (laughs) But I've never been a huge Andy Kaufman guy in terms of his humor. I mean, the wrestling thing, I get what he was trying to do. And I guess it was somewhat humorous. But that's that's also one of those things that, only only in Memphis would that have worked as well as it did. And we're getting kind of in the weeds here. I, I yeah. guess I'm inspired by you and the, you know, the whole gritty Smallentown thing. Just uh, We just uh, go on these different threads. I haven't even said one thing about baseball yet, so you're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it. I'm sure we'll get to it. Uh, so you talked about, Peter, the dress rehearsal that they had for the first TV taping, the the shooting of the pilot episode. They brought everyone into the gym. They got somehow people to come and watch this uh, event. And the big thing out of this whole practice was the beatdown biddies. Those are two ladies who um, play old ladies on the show. Well, well, it's hard to explain. They they are two (laughs) actresses of... They're not old, but... Their wrestling characters is that they're old ladies, but for this, uh, they really wanted to do something different. Well, they didn't really want to do something different. It, uh, Cherry Bang, who is a junk chain, that is her wrestling name, and Welfare Queen, the aforementioned Welfare Queen, aka Awesome Kong. They, uh, I guess, prompted them to play different characters for this dress rehearsal. Just uh, put something out there, uh, see what it does to the fans, see if they uh, get the fans uh, a little more lively. (laughs) So the Beatdown Biddies came out in hoods and (laughs) sheets, white sheets, Kingpin. Hmm. All right. So they were members of the KKK against two African-American women. And the fans, they didn't really, uh, well, they actually, I mean, if you think about it, it's kind of like a, a Roman Reigns thing. They didn't like it so much that they really made a lot of noise. So it's something, <laughs> it, it kind of went that direction. So it definitely got attention, definitely got the crowd into the event and invested in the team of Junk Chain and Welfare Queen. The funny thing is about this, and I listened to your episode last week, uh, A Greetings from Allentown, PW. The decision after the fact was, you know, Sam Sylvia was like, oh, there's no way we can do this on TV, but, you know, we'll just have to do something else. But then I listened to a clip that you played from the actual pilot episode where one of the characters uses a racial slur for African-Americans. Yes, that was a rather shocking moment from the pilot. I thought that the most surprising thing was in the first six minutes when... I think it was Hollywood dropped an F-bomb 
on on the show <laughs> that went unbleeped. Like I had to manually bleep it on on my show because I I, I work clean. I'm apparently the Jim Gaffigan of wrestling podcasts now. But um, <laughs> it, the, it, later she says the look at the well I don't even want to say it, but uh, blah 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 and the honky, which I I suppose I can say. And I was like whoa. It's like, well, you know, back in the 80s, you could just call your opponent a racial slur, and it was just accepted that you were the heel. Like, you didn't really have to do much else. There was another character who uh, who was a heel and spoke out against apple pie. So it was very easy to kind of get booze <laughs> back in those days where you could just speak out against these simple all-American things, and, you know, the crowd would just, you know, react viscerally against that. You know, the funny, the funny thing is like that double standard of wrestling. Even though wrestling is entertainment, wrestling everybody knows wrestling is entertainment. Um, they can't, they don't have the same leeway that um, movies and television shows and and things of that nature have when it comes to having a villainous character. There's, there's, where in a, in, a, in a movie, depending on the subject matter of the movie, they can very much get away with having a villainous character who's racist or, or any number of things racist sexist uh whatever but in pro wrestling even though it's entertainment if if they did that it would it would just cause a complete uproar and and it's kind of weird and the funny thing is that you know this is a show based on a wrestling show and they can get away with it yeah there you go I think it's one of those things where people have prejudicial views against wrestling coming in and it, it just kind of carries the day so that there's, for whatever reason, there's less leeway to do something like that on an actual wrestling show. But on a fictional show about wrestling, somehow the rules are different for that. So it's kind of, it's, I don't know. It's yeah, it's, it's a little it's, strange. It's, it's, it's silly. You'll, I mean, you'll see, you know, somebody who criticizes pro wrestling for a risque angle or something along lines, but then they watch something like Law and Order SVU, which is 50% of the time about pedophiles. So go figure. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's see how we transition out of pedophiles. <laughs> um. I always I always thought it was Law and Order SUV, and they just drove around in uh, Ford Broncos all the time. So... <laughs> I, I I forgot. Oh my goodness! All right, you okay, Mike? I brought on all my A material here, Crockett. <laughs> all right, well, let's go from um, pedophilia to incest. Hmm. Justine, who plays uh, well, Justine <laughs> on the show. I guess her name was Scab or something as a wrestler, but she never really got into the ring. Her entire storyline. I don't, I don't know. How do you feel about the whole Justine thing? Obviously, she's a, a young woman, and uh, Sam Sylvia thinks that you know she she's following him around. He thinks that she wants to have sex with him. As it turns out, she's just following him around because she is his illegitimate child. Yes. Spoiler alert, Brian. Damn it. Also, her whole thing with the pizza delivery guy, uh, I don't, Justine, I could have done without this entire character. Uh, I, th I thought the character was fine. I thought the illegitimate kid storyline was a bit much. I don't think you really needed to tack that on to Sam Sylvia's 
long list of problems. I mean, you know, the guy does cocaine on the show. He's fooling around with another one of the girls. I'm not sure it was entirely necessary. I think you could have played more of an angle with her because she's clearly the youngest looking one in the bunch. You know, just kind of a real little sister sort of thing where she sort of struggles against that whole thing because, you know, I know what it's like to go to like a summer camp and be the youngest one there. It ain't easy. So I think uh, maybe a similar thing could have been thought up for her because it was a little strange, her, uh, you know, kind of stalking like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm your daughter. Like, oh, that's that's just great. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the final episode where they actually shoot the pilot. Uh, they get a building thanks to Bash's mom who lets them use one of her hotels and uh, they are able to set up the wrestling ring. The ring looks nice. It's got the pink ropes and everything. And they have the cameraman. And uh, Sam Sylvia is actually dealing with this whole thing of finding out he has a daughter. So he isn't even there at the start. And first of all, they show up two hours before uh, showtime, Brian, for TV taping. Hmm. You know it's Hollywood in that case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because... Uh... <laughs> I got to be to the building at 1 p.m. for a 7 o'clock bell time for TV taping. Yeah, so it's, that's the way it works out in, uh, you know, and on TV. But this pilot uh, goes off, uh, even though Sam isn't there, mostly without a hitch. And the whole thing at the end, uh, Peter Winson from Greetings from Allentown, where... Uh, well, first of all, Liberty Bell is in the crowd. She is sitting with her husband. And do we know, was this whole thing planned the whole time? Or does she just stand up and challenge uh, Zoya the Destroyer, which is Ruth's name as the Russian heel? Was this planned from the start? Or did uh, Liberty Bell shoot this at the last minute? Oh, I think it's some place. I think it's in between. Oh, okay. I think it's somewhere in between. It's not something that they had thought of from the beginning, and it's not something where she shot. You know, as you said, I think that a little bit beforehand they said, "Look, I think we should do this. Maybe, maybe earlier in the day or something. You know, off off camera, and I will stand up and I will challenge you, and then that'll make a great sort of thing like." When um, oh my god, why am I forgetting his name? The uh, oh um, the guy with the snake when he came out of the crowd and won the intercontinental title in uh, Italy. Santino Morella. Santino Morella. I'm sorry, I'm very bad on wrestling from like 2003 through 2010. I, I, I it's really just kind of a blank space. So they kind of make it a little bit like that where. It's more of a surprise, and it makes her even more of an American hero to come in and stand up to this dastardly, you know, commie bitch in the ring. Yes. Yeah, so the thing is, they they did a tag team match, and then Ruth somehow uh, wins the whole thing. She ends up turning on her tag team partner, beats her, and then they're about to give her the crown, and then. Liberty Bell comes out from the crowd, challenges Zoya the Destroyer for the crown, and then beats Zoya the Destroyer for the title. But then Sam Sylvia shoots on everything, shoots on both of them, 
and they do a a finish where Welfare Queen comes and takes the crown from Liberty Bell, uh, gives her her finish, and then pins her. Liberty Bell could have easily just kicked out and said, you know, I'm not going with this, but she's mad about it after the fact, but she ends up just taking the fall. So I, I, I don't know how this whole thing happened, how this whole thing went down, where Liberty Bell is pissed, but then goes with it anyway. She should have just kicked out, right, Pete? Well, no, I think she wanted to be a part of the first ever Money in the Bank cash-in, which, <laughs> granted, and, and, and by the way, it's the best Money in the Bank cash-in ever because there's no ridiculous-looking briefcase and there's no 20 minutes go by as the referee holds the briefcase and, like, looks all confused for, like, you know, like I said, 20 minutes. Like, what do I do? By the way, I wish that Crockett was a WWE referee just so he could do that one time to, to like, be the confused idiot official. Like, what? We've, what only is been, this? we've only been doing this for 13 years. I do not know what to do. Is this the nuclear briefcase? What do I do with this? Are you sure? I mean, are you really sure? Yes. You damn sure you want to cash this in now? So, so I, you know, it, it is traditional booking the way they did that in fact i think that's the title of the episode is the money's in the chase yes where of course you know a long time say but i also had you know a joke off of on the original glow pilot there were a couple of strong heel beatdowns at various points and i had this joke that that bill watts was actually booking glow in secret under like uh, thinking a pseudonym so that he doesn't get found out (laughs) Because it was very kind of a Bill Watts style. So maybe Bill Watts was brought into this version of Glow and he was advising them to book it this way so that you have the heel on top and now you can make money with Liberty Bell and whoever else, Machu Picchu, chasing after it in the long run. I don't know. This is Vince Russo booking all the way. This is a swerve, bro. Don't, 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 don't say that. Don't say that, please. <laughs> don't say that name. Can you bleep that out? Can you bleep out that name? Maybe I could. It, it, Maybe in I could. post, yeah. That'd be great. I'll do that. I'll do that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, season one concludes with Welfare Queen as the holder of the glow crown as we head into season two. And season two, I guess, as we're recording this, we haven't seen any of the episodes from season two. You can go check them out now on Netflix. It's They went up on Friday. But there'll be a new character who's a Mexican-American stripper. Uh, she's going to be on the show. And Ruth somehow seems to put the whole show in jeopardy with some getting involved with someone. It's a little unclear from the trailer I saw. But a lot coming up on season two. I'm sure it's going to be something to really check out. And I'm sure I'm going to zoom right through it with my wife. And Peter, probably the same for you, right? I was just afraid you were going to say that it was going to be something to wrestle with. Because <laughs> you know that phrase is trademarked. Chat me up. <laughs> <laughs> Meltzer says... When, it, when is Malonis leaving this podcast to go team up with Conrad for a new podcast called uh, Chat Me Up about the East Coast Indies? <laughs> like I know that know that's going to happen at some point. Oh, right? Crockett, if, Crockett's going to be left at the altar. If there's a god, it'll happen soon. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey, if he wants to buy me out, I'm more than happy to uh, step down. Buy you out? What investment have you made? <laughs> you know who I am? I'm Mike Crockett. <laughs> Thank you. I made my bones when you were dating cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> and you are Peter Winson from Greetings from Allentown. And this has been really fun having you talking about Glow. Peter, do you recommend people go and check out Glow? Yes, either either the Netflix version, which uh, obviously will meet your uh, dramatized needs, and also the original Glow, which you can find other episodes on YouTube. And uh, I have I put the original one in the Greetings from Allentown playlist that I maintain on YouTube. If you just do a search Greetings from Allentown, you can view that episode or any of the other ones that I've covered in the past year and change that I've been doing that little podcast. Yeah, and this has been a long time coming to have you on here talking about it. I know Brian says that he loves having you along with him with his travels to Ring of Honor. And uh, so how are things going overall with uh, Greetings from Allentown? How are you feeling about it? You going to continue? Because I know you talked about at one point you thought about, or actually from the start you said you were going to stop at episode, what, 68 or something? I was going to stop at 63. Okay. Because... There was a there was a podcast, and I explained this in episode sixty three. There was a podcast that I loved called Dave's of Thunder. It was very much like the wrestling podcast about nothing, in that it was a podcast about friendship, about about two men in their friendship. <laughs> and they stopped at sixty three episodes, but actually they restarted their show earlier this month. So now they're on sixty seven. So now it's an incentive for me to just keep going. But what I will say though is I already know which show I'm doing for a final episode. So if I ever have a finale, it's already written. I already know which show I'm doing. I already know what the last match is going to be. So it's not going to be anytime soon, though. Yeah, yeah. I hope you never get to it because then what's Brian going to do with these long flights? Right, Brian? Well, you kind of ruined my my weekend, Mike. Uh, What the hell am I going to listen to now on my flights back and forth to Baltimore, Mike. You made me listen to Greetings from Allentown earlier. I had it all planned out, and now now I'm going to be sitting there like putty staring at the back of the seat with nothing to listen to, nothing to read on my flight. You'll find something to do. I'm sure you can get through another 12-hour Bruce Pritchard podcast. <laughs> well, you could you, go to my back catalog, episode number 30. It's my personal favorite episode that I've ever done. A Tuesday Night Titans from August of 85, which wasn't even on Tuesday night because they had moved it to Friday. So it was just TNT, I guess. That's that's my personal favorite out of the whole bunch. How else can people find you, Peter, for Greetings from Allentown? You can find me on the Twitter, at GF Allentown Pod. Uh, you can give me a follow on... You, know, you, you realize you can follow people on SoundCloud as well? I'm not sure many people know about that. Really? But yeah, I, I know that SoundCloud is not your audio provider, but I just thought I would throw that out there. And if you have a problem with anything I've said on this show, you can email me at greetingsfromallentown at gmail.com. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's that. All right, uh, Kingpin, are you going to finish watching the series? Are you going to finish season one, go on to season two? Did we entice you enough, or did we just ruin it for you? No, well, yeah, you kind of ruined it for me, but it's it's all right. I still want to see it. It's been on my to watch list for quite some time now. I will say, I did get caught up with Thirteen Reasons Why a little bit. So, well, Kingpin, you got you got to watch because if you want to get hired as a trainer for season three <laughs> in that role, you've got to be caught up on what's going on. 
Well, yeah, you know what, though? We already discussed. I, I'm, I'm not into training, so I'll take a cameo. I'll take a recurring role. I don't know about being a trainer, though. You're not going to be an actual trainer. You're going to be pretending to be a trainer. This is all part of the Hollywood Malonis character that I've thought up for you. <laughs> Patent pending. I like it. I like it. Then I can leave this podcast. <laughs> I thought Ring of Honor was my ticket out, but... <laughs> all right, and now Peter's leaving this podcast. Thanks so much, Peter Winston, PW, for being on the wrestling podcast about nothing. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Brian. Okay, we want your feedback. Tweet us at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion with Peter Winston about GLOW. Use the hashtag WPAN. And if you want to be even more involved in the wrestling podcast about nothing, get your voice on this podcast. Call the voicemail line, 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. Let us know what you think about GLOW, Ring of Honor, anything involving us, involving the world of professional wrestling. We will take all questions and comments at 401-584-9726. Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast, the unprofessional wrestling podcast, I should say, with Mike Mills, Hardbody Harper, and Doc Turner. They do podcasts twice a week. Sundays, the Smoky Mountain Show. Thursdays is their flagship show where they discuss the old Saturday Night 605 show, the NWA shows. So make sure you check that out twice a week. Great stuff going on there with Mike Mills and the gang at Booking the Territory. Find that wherever you get your podcasts or go to mikemills.podbean.com and and they are the South, and the Northern version is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Joe Morata and Michael Quinn, they helm that journey into the world of old-school professional wrestling with a leaning on the Northern side of things, the stuff that we're more used to, Kingpin. So check out ovppodcast.com for more on our vantage point or get it wherever podcasts are sold. And, and did you see, uh, not, not to cut you off there, Mike, but did you see the... Uh the picture posted in the OVP group on Saturday night. Yes, you were an OVP fan of ringside watching the Wine City Whaler in action. <laughs> and indeed they were. So uh, appreciated seeing the picture. Always cool to see some pictures from uh, from events, especially shortly after I performed. Yes, and from that guy's vantage point, if you will. <laughs> if you will, yes. Yes. And of course, we've mentioned Greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. And finally, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason Stewart and all of his pals over there on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Stuff going on all week there. So make sure to check out the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. Subscribe and enjoy. All right, Kingpin, it is time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get into that, You are hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying your trade as a professional wrestler. As you dart to your phone and try to get ready here, you have dates. Oh, I'm on the ball, Mike. Oh, okay. This Saturday night, I'll be heading to Bethany, Connecticut for Northeast Wrestling. Uh, Headlining the card will be Jerry the King Lawler himself. Puppies! (laughs) <laughs> yes uh, so uh, come check out northeast wrestling in bethany connecticut go to northeastwrestling.com for a ticket and full card information then mike i actually don't return to action until saturday night july the 21st when i head to atlanta ga bad street mike wow actually it's not bad street i'm heading over to center stage the old wcw tv taping uh uh, venue for Ring of Honor's international TV taping, where no doubt I'll be teaming with 
my partner, the Beer City Bruiser. Uh, who knows who we'll be taking on this time, but uh, I'll be returning to Atlanta. I, I, I did say to our good friend Todd Sinclair, it's like, well, I've been around long enough now to start hitting some of these cities twice. So that's a good sign. It certainly is. And I, I would assume that your match will be now for the championship against the Briscoes since no doubt you defeated them this past weekend. Well, only time will tell, Mike. Only time will tell. All right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> and then I round out the month uh, with Atlantic Pro Wrestling on July the 29th, a special 11 a.m. show. Wow. at the Newburyport Yankee Homecoming. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I've uh, been able to take part in this event, so excited to do so uh, for Atlantic Pro Wrestling. Uh, this is actually a free show, so if you come out to uh, Yankee Homecoming in Newburyport, there's lots of uh, lots of things going on, including some pro wrestling. I'll actually be challenging for the APW Heavyweight Championship, Mike, believe it or not. Well, oh, I believe it. I believe it. Believe it. <laughs> um, so is this back-to-back with the date in Atlanta, or am I off here? No, no. One's the 21st and one's the 29th, Mike. Okay, okay. That's that's. Pay attention uh, to what I'm saying here. Uh, uh, just, it's been a long weekend, my friend. All right. You're telling me. All right, so <laughs> it is time for this week's promo about nothing. The year 1988. And we're heading back down south. The NWA, Jimmy Crockett Promotions. And we go to Clash of the Champions 3. Fall Brawl. As Tony Schiavone is standing by with the nature boy, Ric Flair. And also, you know, former San Francisco 49er, John Ayers. So I think you can guess what this promo about nothing is all about. It ain't about Ric Flair. Let's take a listen to this week's promo about nothing. Fans of the sports world today, there's a lot of demands, a lot of stipulations to be met. And Nature Boy, Ric Flair, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion and the total package, Lex Luger. Of course, we talk about the third element in the ring now, the special referee assigned. We're very pleased to have with us number 68, left guard, San Francisco 49ers, 11 years in the NFL, one of the greatest offensive linemen ever. Big John Ayers with us. And John, you've been assigned to be the special referee for this match. NWA World Heavyweight title. And I know you know a lot about pressure in the big game. I've been very fortunate in my career, Tony, you know, having the opportunity to play in a lot of championship games and pressure, you know, pressure situations. And this is probably the most prestigious match or title, you know, the National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight World Championship. You know, in wrestling, it's the the title that anybody wants. We all know John Ayers of a reputation, one of the greatest professional football players of all time. Two Super Bowl rings, the 49ers did it all when Big John was with it. But let me ask you a question, Big John. In my own modest way, I got to know what qualifies you to referee a world's heavyweight championship match, a match that you know is done with two wrestlers. It's not a team sport. We're talking about the big time, pal. Tell me what qualifies you to referee a match that the world heavyweight champion's in. I think I'm qualified in that I know something about wrestling and I'm an impartial judge. I see John Ayers, as I said before, one of the greats of all time. A former football player along with Lex Luger who was a former football player. And I see Jim Crockett stopping at no expense to bring in someone else to help railroad Ric Flair. John Ayers is financially overdue, pal. He's got a 10,000 acre ranch. And I'm going to tell you right now, Big John, 
I'm not Lawrence Taylor. I'm not Randy White. I'm not any of the National Football League players, but I am the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. And big man, I hope that you're not looking for a future after football in professional wrestling. John? Well, like I said before, you know, it's, it's going to be, I'm impartial. May the best man win. I'll call it like I see it. And I will not be intimidated. Well, I think that's a key right there. We talked about needing a big man in the ring and intimidation, of course, a part of the sport and not being intimidated will be good. John, thank you very much. We hope to see more of you, of course. And then again, I know it's a big, big match coming up. Ric Flair and Lex Luger for the world heavyweight title with John Ayers, the special referee. What does that mean? Let's go back to the ring, fans. Well, he's been in a lot of pressure situations. Kingpin, but I guess none like this. <laughs> Charismatic black hole, I would say. <laughs> they have those in football as well as wrestling. <laughs> Apparently so. Good God. And this guy's a crossover negative charisma guy. <laughs> yeah, you know what though? Ric Flair is such a such a freaking pro trying to uh trying to save it on a number of occasions there. Yes, and Tony Schiavone is perfectly content with just letting John Ayers flap in the breeze. <laughs> he certainly was, but just shows you, it's actually a pretty good lesson maybe for people in professional wrestling to, to watch Ric Flair at work here, and, and the, this is, it wouldn't be one of his all-time great promos, but just the way he, he tried to save this thing and, and, and steer it in a passable direction, uh, Kudos to him for for trying, at least. Yeah, and yeah, it's very difficult. I don't know that he was successful, but like you said, yeah, he gave it the old college try. Yeah, well, I I think a broomstick might have had more charisma than our friend John Ayers here. (laughs) And Flair's like, so why are you qualified? And John Ayers says, I think I'm qualified. And I thought that was the end of the sentence because he paused for so long. (laughs) I think I'm qualified. But then he actually goes on to say he's qualified because he knows something about wrestling. I'm sure sure he does. I think a lot of referees, in my experience, have gotten into the business because basically they just know something about wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) I think most referees get in because they can't wrestle themselves, right? Oh, come on now. Not me, anyway. Come on. Are you telling me you think you would have been a good professional wrestler? Oh No, I wouldn't have. That's why I never considered it. Yeah, I think I thought you were saying there's people that like considered it or tried it and then decided that they couldn't, so they became a referee. That wasn't the case with me. I'm sure, there's plenty of those too. Yes, I'm sure there are as well. Uh, so John Ayers will not be intimidated. That's what we leave with. He was intimidated by a microphone. I don't know if he'll be, he might be intimidated by Ric Flair <laughs> as well. Well, I don't know. I don't know. As long as he doesn't have to talk while he's the referee. The funny thing is, like, why John Ayers? Like. Who the hell in the in the WCW or Crocker Promotions offices at this point is saying like, you know what we really need for this World Heavyweight Championship match? A freaking offensive lineman who nobody knows to referee it. Okay, I was going to ask you because, you know, you're the football guy. I'm really not. He mentions Ric Flair does. Lawrence Taylor. How many notches below Lawrence Taylor is John Ayers at this time? This is the first I've ever heard John Ayers' name. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I would think by that mustache alone, he would be a household name. <laughs> Tom Selleck-like. Yes, John Ayers and Tony Schiavone both rocking those mustaches. Mustache rides five cents. 
<laughs> they certainly are. And uh, six months later, just six months after this, Tony Schiavone was gone to the WWF, and mercifully, that caterpillar under his nose went as well. Can you blame him for leaving after this? I was going to say, this might have been the beginning of the end. <laughs> he didn't really seem too concerned with getting a, a good interview out of this guy. No, no, he didn't. He did not. All right, you're going to see this. These guys are sitting at a desk. It's very awkward. It's very stuffy and uncomfortable. Take a look at it. Find the link to the video in the description of this episode or at the WPAN.com. That is the WPAN.com. That is it, Kingpin. We will be back right here next Monday for episode 116 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. Till then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing.